If you expected an intro, you're a fool. What show do you think you're listening to? Come on, to? we don't even do one of those. Come on. It's worthless. Yeah. Yeah, the kids don't even want that these days. No, just get right into it. Yeah, uh, that's how they do it. Yeah, screw the intro. You think there's uh, intros on TikTok videos? I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe there's an outro. I don't know. But uh, no Follow intro. Follow up. <laughs> What's a TikTok video? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do not have a TikTok account. I don't think I've ever been on TikTok. I've seen TikTok videos. I am aware of it. But I feel it's just Vine, very but old Chinese, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. So why why is it cyclical? What do you mean? Why well, like I'm assuming millennials uh, remember Vine and sure. uh, used it, but then you know now we have if there's going to be a new platform for every generation, like when the maybe when the um, zillennials or whatever they're what are they called Zoomers whatever. Gosh, I, I uh, start just having read kids, and there's going to have to be something else, yeah, right? right. You've got to get rid of TikTok, and then you'll get Bring um, something else in here. Flapjack or right, something like right. that. Right, right. I don't know. I, I don't know. spend any time thinking about it. Our audience is 45-year-old yeah. males. <laughs> so welcome, gentlemen, <laughs> to Co-Videos, where we talk about movies. Yes. Sometimes. We kill all time before, though. A little bit. I think, I think, I think... I think my gym is on board. With what? With wearing masks. I've been going to my gym okay. uh, since they reopened for a little over a month, and no commitment, no enforcement of masks. Mm -hmm. We live in a city where the governor has um, had an emergency ordinance, mm -hmm. which says that everybody must, must wear a mask in public places of gathering indoors. Mm-hmm doesn't matter what it is right it doesn't everywhere it does yep. not matter where it's it's not a law it wasn't passed but it is it's an ordinance mm -hmm. and it's just it's pretty much you know it's enforced or at least observed everywhere yeah except for this effing gym i know and almost every day I, I, I work out in the morning and then I go, you know, do run errands and do something else. And I go to Target. Everybody's wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. You can't get in without a mask. Right. But at the gym, I'm the only person wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. And it's so they're so lax and so irresponsible that it makes the problem worse. Like I was there the other day and I saw a guy um, come up to the door. And yeah. I don't know if he had this is just him like returning to working out now that gyms are open and stuff like that. I did that myself. And I saw him, like, pull the door open, but then he saw – they have signs yeah, yeah, on yeah. the front door that say, you have to have a mask. And I saw him open the door, look at the sign, and do that thing like, oh, you know, I've, I didn't study for the test. That look. Right, right. And But then he kind of looked inside, and nobody's wearing a mask, and he just walked in. Yeah. So he'll never wear a mask. Right. I saw another guy come in, had a mask on, ready to go. He did a couple workouts, a couple exercises, looked around, nobody's wearing a mask. He took his mask off. Mm -hmm. So it encourages delinquency. Yeah. Right. But I went in today and they had changed the signs. Now they were still, you know, on A4 paper, you know, just printed off and ineffectual. Yeah. Sure. But it said it was highlighted, required. And then also, previously, they had been charging for masks. If you come in, I mean, they want you to work out. Yeah. And so they would, they would sell you one for like a buck fifty. Yeah. And now it's two bucks. So. <laughs> So I know it was updated because they've decided to squeeze a little more profit out of it. Uh-huh. Uh, but I mean, it's not profit, really. Uh, yeah, right. And uh, 
So yeah, and I and today I was there. Everybody had a mask on except for the loser who works out in flip flops. He had a mask, but it was hanging off of one ear. He wasn't going to wear it, and he Ugh. spent thirty minutes on the uh, in the cage. Uh, so I spent a lot of time waiting for him to get out of there so I could finish my uh, chest exercises. So, awesome. Yeah. Uh, is it's it, just, it gym, you know it's just a hazard of working out like you're just gonna there's just inconsiderate people it's like flying you know somebody's gonna take their shoes off and their socks and you're like why is this happening to me yeah right well, is it how hard is it I, I imagine it is not it's real comfortable hard. to stop what? to um exercise while wearing a mask how how difficult do you find it or have you gotten used to it it's fine it's fine Okay. You're, you're the, the lower part of your face gets a little sweaty because you're just, you know, it's carbon dioxide, water vapor, mm-hmm. uh, condensing. So yeah. you lift it up every once in a while, take a drink, wipe your mouth off. Yeah. Go back to what you're doing. And that's, I'm using, I have one of those just, you know, crappy um, paper uh, masks you get out of a box. I got a, one in my trunk and, you know, 20, 20 of them. Mm-hmm. A lot of people come in with like the neoprene, you know, fixed and vented masks. So they're probably not even experiencing what I'm experiencing, but they're not wearing them. Yeah, right. So uh, I was this morning before I went in, because mm-hmm. this is the kind of person I am. Uh, let's go for another 10 minutes, because I don't know how long we can talk about our films. Uh, I was looking up how to report them <laughs> to the state. Yeah. Uh, and I ran out of time, because I had to get to my appointment, because they do have appointments to space everybody out. And I got to the gym, everybody's wearing a mask, and I'm like, you did it. You. <laughs> you did it. Not now to be named company. Right, right. Although you would have been on blast. Yeah. If that hadn't been true. Yes. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see about tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Tomorrow's a new day. Right? <sighs> Another chance to fail. <laughs> well, failure maybe is uh, going to be part of the conversation today. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Depends on how you feel about the films that we watched. A pair of musicals. Not planned, but it worked out that yeah, way. Yeah, it did kind of work out that way, I would way, say didn't quirky it? musicals. We're going to talk about yours first. yeah. What's the title of your film? Uh, my film is The Last Unicorn. Yes. Yes. 1982. Yeah. With a star-studded cast. It is. It is. Actually. It really is. Um, how familiar with Rankin and Bass were you before The Last Unicorn? Well, I'd heard, I, I knew I was familiar with, with the name Rankin and Bass. And so I saw that at the beginning of the film. So before we came on air, I like familiarized myself. Now I know Rankin and Bass. How do I know Rankin and Bass? You you're you're going to tell me. Of course. Uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, the, yeah. the stop motion, Frosty the Snowman. Um, I have not seen the animated Hobbit film, but they did that. Um, or like The Last Dinosaur or whatever. Right, right. I think they were. I think they, were, they did Thundercats as well. Did they really? And okay. all those, uh, or at least they produced um, Thundercats, Silverhawks. Um, okay. That sort of stuff. Okay. Um, um, so that was, that's basically my familiarity. And those are just the hits. I mean, they, right, right, they right. for they years and years and years and years, they made cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they produced this, but they didn't really, they farmed out the uh, animation of the piece. I noticed a lot of Japanese names for the animation, so... Well, um, get ready to blow that mind of yours. Uh-oh. Because it was um, farmed out to... I mean, it's technically like a, a British-American-slash-Japanese production. <laughs> and okay. they um, they farmed the work out to a studio um, called... 
uh, I can't remember what they're called, so this is not that great. Topcraft. They're called Topcraft. Okay. That's what it was. Uh, it's a Japanese studio uh, that was founded by uh, a couple people, uh, a guy named uh, Toshio Suzuki, uh, Iso Takahara, <laughs> and a little guy named Hayao Miyazaki. Oh, my God. Yep. Okay, I should know this. So that's they, crazy. Yeah, so they sort of, um, you know, around the time that Miyazaki founded uh, Ghibli, mm-hmm. uh, or Ghibli, sorry, internet. <laughs> uh, but look it up, that's how it's said. said. Um, they worked on, it was right after Nausicaa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they went on to do Ghibli, and the other half um, split off to do the aforementioned uh, Thundercats and like 80s uh, cartoon sure. shows, American shows. Okay, very cool. Um, I I did not um, make that connection, so that's neat. I guess. Um, so I guess I'm supposed to say what it what happens. Uh, yeah, I think you are. <sighs> this is this is gonna be rough. Yeah, well, let's, let's mine will be simple. rough we'll keep too. It simple. So okay. Um, yeah, actually, you have the tougher job, I think. Yeah. Uh, Mia Farrow is a unicorn in a nondescript yep. fantasy world. Uh, with bows and horses. That, so that's what you need to know. Yep. And a ma- unicorn in this world is a magical being. Um, they are connected to the nature of the world. They live in forests, and those forests like never age, and they protect the creatures and stuff like that. But Mia Farrow meets a butterfly, a crazy butterfly that definitely would have been played by Robin Williams if he wasn't uh, swimming in a swimming uh, pool full of cocaine at this time <laughs> in his life. Uh and they uh, and he the butterfly basically makes her question whether wait am I the last unicorn? Mm-hmm. I don't know why she doesn't know. I guess it's been a while since she's thought about other unicorns. I guess so she goes on an adventure to find out if there's any other unicorns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of seems like there's not. And she meets a uh, hedge wizard named Schmendrick. Yep, we're going to talk about it. Uh, and he uh, recognizes her for what she is. Most humans can't tell the difference between a horse and a unicorn. Yeah, and they don't see the horn. They decide don't. to uh, go on a quest. And on that quest, they also meet um, a character named Molly Gru, uh, mm-hmm. who is just some lady. Uh, <laughs> and in their quest, they finally make it to the castle of King Haggard mm-hmm. and his son Lear. And um, they're trying to find where these unicorns are and yep. escape the uh, deadly Red Bull. Yes. They don't want wings. <laughs> Take your stinking wings. That'd be a Pegasus um, then. Yeah, right. Not right. a unicorn. Yeah. And that's about it. That's actually pretty accurate. So yeah. that wasn't too bad. Okay. Um. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's um. Okay. Well, let's talk about the cast. Oh, okay. I. I. Before we get into that, can mm. I just say why I wanted to watch this real quick? Sure. Um. So. Um. I love unicorns. I grew up loving unicorns. I don't know. This was around when I was a kid. I have no idea why I didn't watch it as a kid. If I had seen it as a kid, I probably would have loved it. They also mention Robin Hood quite a bit. (laughs) And we see visions of Robin Hood, although in this, he's not real. He's a myth. Um, And um, I love Robin Hood, too. So I would have just been all over this as a kid. Um... That being said, for whatever Thank reason... Thank God you didn't. Yeah, I know. For whatever reason, I did not see this, but I wanted to see it. <coughs> um, let's start with, with something positive. I liked the animation style. I, I thought it was... Um, Wait, was that your before we start? Because yeah. we were going to talk about the cast. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. We can go into the cast. That's fine. 
<laughs> okay, when do you like the animation? Fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I. It, it's kind of wispy and looks like uh, you know a classic fairy tale book illustrations. You know, kind of. You know, it's. It, it's very, uh, you know, grounded in nature. I think like that, and you know, I, I just, I, I, I liked it. It was, it was very um, simplistic, but it was, um, I, I think it was really well done. I think it was, I, they created a very beautiful world. Um, so that's what I'll say about that. I guess <laughs> um, the movie stars. Uh, just you know, uh, just a real collection of talent. Yes, from the time, all of whom, I just wonder why any of them did this. Uh, Alan Arkin is in it. Jeff Bridges, Mia Farrow, uh, Tammy Grimes—a name that you might not uh, be super familiar with—but she was a um, uh, very talented, prolific uh, Broadway star. Uh, a guy named Robert Klein, uh, who's also a, a Broadway guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Angela Lansbury, of course. Yes. And Christopher Lee. Guess who was the skull? Renee Abergenois. Yes. The late great. I I saw that, and I saw his name before the credits, and I was like, oh, Renee Abergenois. Yep. But I looked up later who he was. I should recognize his voice. But I was like, he Not necessarily. was. Oh, he was the skull. Yeah. The skull was freaking He's very, awesome. Very talented uh, voice actor and actor, and he could yeah. be do, be or do anything. So. Um, honestly, a highlight of the film, yeah, if you will. Yeah. Um, I don't know why we waited so long to get to, to him. Yeah, to get to this guy. And uh, Christopher Lee, who uh, this guy, he just you know he had an amazing life. Um, he made it to what his late nineties. Yeah. Um, and he was in um, a lot of uh, fantasy uh, book. Uh, adaptations right which and this so, is so yeah so he's in dracula um lord of the rings which must have been a dream come true mm. and apparently like he came to set or like the reading with his own copy of the last unicorn uh. and it highlighted lines it's like these lines have to be in here like i, I hope these are in the script and they oh probably were God. because the screenplay was written by the same guy who wrote the book peter okay. s beagle okay all right. And from what I understand, I haven't read the book, but I, what I understand is this is very, very reflective of what the book is. I read a Not brief synopsis of what the book is, yeah. and it's more or less the plot Not, of the movie. But, but, but even the character of it, though, it, they didn't add like a butterfly who's like, mm-hmm. it's going to take the A-train or whatever. Yeah, uh, that was in there. Yeah, that's all those weird, like have a taco, like all the Robin Hood exists in this world. Yeah. All these anachronisms and references are all in the book as well. Yeah, which is Really strange. Patrick to me. Rothfuss says this is his favorite book. It's the best fantasy book he's ever read. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't anyway. know. Um, I I have I have a friend who who loves this story and this movie, and you know, grew up with it. And I think that I think sometimes when you grow up with something, um, you know, there's a lot of nostalgia there, and like maybe you enjoy it more. Than if you had had it introduced to you later in life, um, not saying that it, it doesn't have value. I'm not saying that, or you know, it, this just. I really wanted to like this, and I I didn't like it that much, and I'm kind of disappointed by that. Um, I I kept thinking, well, maybe the book is better, and then finding out that it's more or less the same plot doesn't really make me want to give the. <laughs> book a chance 
which is maybe a bad thing. I, I've seen that it's it was it's really highly rated among fans as far as like fantasy novels go. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me. Well, I guess it does in a way. But and on the other hand, it doesn't that Patrick Rothfuss would feel that way about this book because I think a lot of people feel that way about this book. Um, yeah, well, and he's not, you know, he's no slouch as an author. I mean, he's no. a Hugo Nebula award-winning author. Right. Um, he's been doing it for a long time. He's still around. He's been doing it for a long time. Um, you know, it's very pro- prolific. Um, but for me, for me. Mm-hmm. This is me speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to say, in my opinion, I'm not going to say, for me, that's why the, the words are coming from my mouth. Yeah, okay. This is why I don't like fantasy. Yeah. I think uh, I was reading an AV Club article about the movie uh, and the book um, by comparison, and they called it like, it's like Calvin Ball. What? <laughs> you know, like Calvin Ball, you know, the, the rules don't make any sense. What's Calvin Ball? <sighs> You sweet summer child. Uh, sorry. Calvin and Hobbes uh-huh. play a sport okay. called Calvin Ball. Okay. And it's all, it's ostensibly starts off like baseball, but then the rules become more complicated because okay. they're all, they're trying to make sure they win. Sure. You know, it's like a commentary as much as you can comment on the behavior of children, but just on like the, the egotism of children and... <laughs> And Calvin, you know, in, in particular. Yeah. So right. it's like, uh, okay. He's like, all right. Well, that's that's uh, six, eight points for me. And it's like, yeah. But did you run around the tree and then you know think about an elephant while you touch the base? And it's like, I didn't do that. Okay. Well, you got to go back to the start then. It, <laughs> it it just like fantasy. Just because you, just because there's magic and magic can make, I don't know, a woman into a horse or vice versa. Mm. It doesn't mean that. Magic, like good magic, is about obligation and about cost. You know, about yes. giving something up to get something. I agree and with you. Bad fantasy, sorry, Peter. Bad fantasy ignores all that, and any old thing can happen, and it doesn't matter. Like the never-ending story. Mm, like, yeah, um, I see what you're. Saying. I don't know a bunch of things that I um, I can't think of, and I, I guess I don't want to assassinate right now. And so it's just like it just it plays like a. A, a, a round of and then, you know, and then this happens and then this happens and then it's sharks with chainsaws and then Voltron comes down and then. Right. Like, why does it like you're having anything... fun, but there's no consequences. Where where's the conflict? What's where's... the significance of everything that happens? And right. it's just like and this there's there's definitely character in this. And by character, yeah. I mean, like. Not the characters. They are completely flat. But there is character to the production. I guess I can't explain, and I don't think that um, Beagle can either, why there's a cat who's a pirate. Yeah. But I a cat with a pirate. Yeah. That's fun. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. 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 But uh, other than that, like, just, I don't, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a story guy. I'm a structure guy. And I just hate how nothing compares to anything and nothing matters and she wants to find unicorns okay that's great but like does she learn anything no and she gets turned into a human and she's going to forget about it but it's it's not like she asked to be turned into a human like these things just happen to her and eventually she just wins at the end because she's a unicorn but she knows and the whole time schmendrick which that's the character's name in the it's book, too. It's a great too. wizard name. Yeah. Uh, well, Alan Arkin is, is uh, yeah, he could have been more Alan Arkin-y for a character <laughs> named Schmendrick, but 
the whole time he's like, no, I don't know how to turn her back. And then at the end, you know, when they're confronted by the Red Bull, it's like, boom, I did it. I turned you back. Why now? And why were you she able has to, to do it? Because she right has now? to, you know, use her unicorn powers and her horn and tap into it. And yeah, she's brave, but she didn't learn anything along the way. She didn't learn anything on the quest. And that's it's supposed to be right. It's supposed to, you know, that you can't just you have can't just discard like the structure of a story. Like, look, Joseph Campbell yeah. is like crying uh, into his tweed, you know, because it just that's like what he's talking about myth he's talking about fantasy stories and the whole point is yeah. a character goes out and refuses the call and then gets the meets the goddess and gets the panacea and has to sacrifice something and has to die and come back yes and be changed right but it's, it's right. not movies like this that just doesn't nobody cares yeah it's not i even mean a thing. besides legend is like that too yeah right legend's just like it's just a bunch of stuff happens and then there is a metaphor in there about um I can't Mia Sarah, I can't remember the character's name. Mm-hmm. Uh there's like a sexual awakening kind of metaphor, you know, yeah. where she's tempted to be bad Mia Sarah or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and then she doesn't or whatever. And then like there's a loss of innocence, I guess, but then then there's like Tom Cruise is just like he's kind of always been a hero and then he just takes on more more responsibility and is still a hero and wins and Right. You know? Yep. Yep. So I... Let's just assassinate fantasy. Come on, let's go. Uh... Yeah. All right, Willow. Willow oh, is... Oh, my God, Willow. The things that happen to Willow are totally random, but I think it does have a good, like, hero story. And that I think Willow, it does, too. you know, wants to be a great magician, and he's... What can a peck do in this world? And But he goes out there, and he just... His purity of heart and his courage, like, gets it done. Yes. He faces Siskel and Ebert, the two-headed monster. <laughs> you have derailed, George. <laughs> All right, I've talked for a lot. You uh, you, you talk. <laughs> Um, I, I feel disheartened by, by fantasy. Um, I, I like, I actually really enjoy fantasy. I seek out fantasy books. Um, and I, I want fantasy films to be better, um, to be structured better. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, I do want characters to go out and be changed by by their quests, by their adventures, and and come back and, uh, you know, be different. Another fantasy film that for some reason I didn't see as a kid and I saw in college, uh, but actually really enjoyed and and is a fantastic film. I think is is Labyrinth, and um, I just wish there were. I mean, I think it's unique in some ways but i i i I wish that there more fantasy films took cues from 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 labyrinth it's a little it's a little random but i think that most like it's okay to have like a little worm it's like come make the missus or whatever right fine but all the random things are generally not added for no good reason they're there for Um, a purpose yeah like sir didymus you know he's he learns to fight for what's really right and not just what he thinks is right or told it is right. And Hoggle, you know, learns to not be a little creep, you know, right. and do something noble. And Ludo's just there. Yeah, uh, well, he's and, sweet. And, and then there's the whole running thing of Sarah, you know, d- not wanting responsibility, not wanting to be an adult and grow up. Uh, or she's insane. We or can, she's we'll take insane. either one. Yeah, right, she right, could right. just be completely losing her mind right. because somebody kidnapped her little brother. Right. 
Right, who at first she wanted absolutely nothing to do with, and that's why this whole thing happened, right. you know? And then she realized, no, I actually do really care for a little twerp. But this is and... just some stuff that happens. And then Lear <laughs> is Jeff Daniels in not only kind of a lazy performance, but Yeah, his... wow. We need to talk about the music in this film. Yeah. His song is is terrible. Yeah. He He's not good. Now, maybe I forgot or I'm not remembering right, but... Didn't he win an Oscar for playing a country singer? I thought he's so. He's got a band. I know he can sing. So why is it so bad? Yeah, yeah well, I all know. the music is bad, but I, I it's not written in his range, his song, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just bad. And well, all the songs, yeah. wow. I think I commented on like all the songs just feel like they were written about five minutes before they uh, hit, hit record. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And there's a scene where Lear is composing this poem because he's in love with this horse lady now. Yep. Uh, we saw that really blossom and grow. Yeah, I know. Right? And uh, and then he's uh, he's writing a poem. And you're like, well, is, he, is this a poem? I was like, oh, he's writing the next song. And then like two minutes later, like he starts singing. He starts singing. <laughs> and you're like, no. <laughs> no, jokes aren't supposed to be real. That's not the universe you want to live in. No. Um, but they're all just, none of them, you think about like the character of songs of a musical, like you're going to be one jump ahead of this. You're going to be showing a whole new world. You know, you're going to be prepared. Right. These are all Disney movies from the early 90s. <laughs> uh, you can't wait to be king. And right. they just have different styles and different rhythms. And this is all just like, uh, it's just like somebody's noodling around on a guitar or yeah, a moog. And then people are just sort of like. making it up as they go. Yeah. Like when you get... um. Like when you watch Whose Line Is It and, and they bring the piano guy out and then he just sort of plays and the guys have to like make up a song to it. That's yeah. what the songs are like. Yeah. Except right. for the ones that the characters don't sing. Those are okay, but they're also, and you pointed this out, it's just, it's almost like, first of all, it's America. The band America did yeah. the songs for this movie. Yeah. The horse with no name guys, right? Yeah. Or yeah. the horse with the horn. Yeah. And it's like they're just describing what's happening. It's like somebody yes. showing them the movie and then they're, okay, guys, we're going to play. And it's like, and sometimes you're a horse and you're on a man's road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Just... And then like, um, we mentioned Angela Lansbury's in this, right? Um, yeah, she plays uh, Mommy Nightshade or, or something like that. What is her that. name? Yeah, she's like Mo- this witch lady. Not who, mother. Yeah. She's a mo- Mommy Fortuna, Fortuna. Yeah, yeah. And she has like these creatures and she does like these spells to make it look like they're these magnificent <laughs> creatures, but they're really not. Yeah, no. <laughs> they set up that the whole thing about a unicorn is that. A unicorn looks like a horse to other people. Like, they can't see the magic of them. Yeah, they don't, they see, the they don't horn. see the horn. It's just a horse to them. So she's like, I finally found a unicorn. And she puts a unicorn in her zoo where she's got other animals that she's glamoured to make look bad. So she's got a monkey that's supposed to look like a satyr or something like mm. that. But she puts a real unicorn in her zoo and then has to cast a spell on its head to make it look like it's got a horn. So people are like, oh. Yeah, because they can't see the actual horn. horn. I know. Just get a horse. (laughs) Right? You are wasting a unicorn. Yes, yes, she is. Um. Oh boy. Wow. Uh, and then they like. Do you want to talk about the tree lady? Oh, in a minute. Okay. So, um, her she has a a magpie that's on her little tree hat. (laughs) Yeah. And 
and the magpie comes back and America sings about it, but but nothing happens. No. It comes back in the story and you're like, oh, this is going to be significant. No. No. No, it's, no, it's not. No. Um, Molly grew. She must have more development in the... Um, in the book. I think I read, though, that I don't think she does, but no. she's just she's just like this... I say old. Hey, who says there's no roles for women in Hollywood over 40? Uh, she's just like this middle-aged woman who cooks for the Robin Hood-esque guys who you think are going to be a part of the story, and just we just move on from them, and they, they leave. And she's just left, like, detritus, because she really wanted to, like, see a unicorn when she was a girl. So now she's just going to hang out through the entire thing. And I guess, like, you know, heroes have come from less than that, but... Yeah. They don't give her a whole lot, though. No, she's just sort of hanging and then, around. Like, and then she's like, they have her cooking and cleaning. And it's like, well, that's great. Um, <laughs> well, that's what she was doing before. Something else. So glad I, I left know. the Robin Hood guys. Well, apparently, at least in the book, I don't know. It's not clear in the movie. But at least in the, I think in the movie, at least she's with the head Robin Hood guy. But in the book, they're married. Um, yeah, I don't know. They seem married in this. Oh, OK. Well. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. There's narwhals. Well, I think, and while the narwhals come on, they go like a narwhal who's gonna. Th-. It's like every song is based on a dare. It's like you wouldn't sing this, would you? I thought. Give me that. I thought that when it's revealed. No, no. See, the, here's the thing: the narwhals have horns too, yes. but it has nothing to do with the fact that all the horses are in the water. I freaking hate so that. So they could have. It could have been anything. A stingray, but they chose a narwhal because it has a horn to just confuse things. I was so confused. Yeah. I thought. That that's what King Hagrid was talking about. There's also a thing, like, mythologically. So, for some reason, Poseidon is the god of horses. That's weird. I don't know why. That doesn't mean. I mean, I know why. Like, he, Demeter asked him to create the most beautiful creature, and he created a horse. She's like, not bad, not bad. And so, for some reason, he's the god of horses. But sometimes you get, like, when all the horses came out of the waves at the end, Mm -hmm. it reminded me of the passage in... Lord of the Rings, where Glorfindel, um, I can't remember, well, I was doing so well, I can't remember the river, but the river that borders uh, uh, Lorien or whatever, he, uh, yeah. uh, no, it's not Lorien, it's Rivendell, um, he causes it to sweep the Dark Riders away, and the waves look like horses for some oh, reason. okay. And so, okay. it's never explained in Lord of the Rings either, but I just feel there's just some like connection between horses and waves for some reason. Interesting. Well, look at it, me. it has to be a look referencing to Oh, look at me. Yeah. I'm on a horse. Yeah, right. I think we're uh, done. <laughs> well, let's I'm talk done. about the tree lady real quick. Oh. Um, uh, so, Schmendrick is not a very good magician, but he can do some magic, but he doesn't yeah, really have going, like, control over do it. Do what you want, magic. Which is so dumb. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. It's like no agency. It's like, ugh. Uh, so are you really, no, cast- even- are you really supposed- even casting the spell? It's supposed to be about exerting, you know, your will over the universe. Yes. And he's just going, magic, you take the wheel. I am literally a conduit. <laughs> <laughs> Waving hands around. I don't know what this is doing. Yeah. It's doing something. Um, but he gets tied up to a tree by the Robin Hood guys because they're, they're freaked out that he made Robin Hood and his merry men uh, up here. And they, they don't like that. Um... So he does some spell, and he doesn't know what it's going to do. And it animates the tree, and it becomes alive. And it's, and it's a, lady. a lady. And it's got boobs, and it sucks him to his boobs. And she's like, you're going to be, I'm going to kill you, but I love you. And the memory of the love of a tree is the way to immortality. 
Why and does the true like, need boobs? Why is any of this happening? I, I'm so disturbed. <sighs> okay, look, I, we're I over. Like yeah, we're, we, we got to move on to our next film. All right. Great. So uh, don't see this movie. Uh, what else? <laughs> um, I picked a movie. Yes. It's from 1986. Mm-hmm. It's called Making Noises While You're Trying to Record. It's uh, called True Stories. Yes. It is directed and partially written by David Byrne. The other writers are Beth Henley, who was a, a playwright. Um, I think a screen. She wrote movies. So I'm just I like know Beth Henley. She was one of my favorite playwrights. Oh, like Crimes of the Heart? Yes. 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 And, I freaking uh, love Crimes of the Heart. Miss Firecracker? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, for a long time, she was the paramour and companion of Stephen Tobolowsky. I did not know that. Uh, character actor who's yes. a man of a thousand stories. And so for some weird reason, and there's actually an episode of the Tobolowsky Files, uh, his podcast where he tells all the crazy stories of what's happened to him in his life, uh, where he talks about collaborating with David Byrne on this film. David Byrne wanted to make a movie. Okay. He was given huge, almost total creative control, thanks in large part to um, the success of Stop Making Sense. Uh, okay. Their concert film from 1984. Yeah. Which is really like, it was Jonathan Demi, right? I don't know why David Byrne would get any <laughs> control. But anyway, uh, he did. And for some reason, I can't remember what the connection is, uh, except for the fact that Tobolowsky grew up in Texas. Mm. And this is set in, um, I believe, a fictional town in Texas called Virgil. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just got uh, Beth and Stephen Tobolowsky, and they came up with all these weird stories uh, that are the titular stories yes. of true stories. Right. What happens? Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, what happens? Uh, this is basically a a love letter to Virgil, Texas, or Texas in general. And um, David Byrne is the narrator, and he leads us through this town as we meet all these different people and learn of their stories. And uh, at the very beginning, he comes into town and he's in a car and like he's traveling around a lot. And um, it's uh, there. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff that happens. There's a lot of different stories. It's their um, it's the town's. What was it? Was it? It's was centennial or? Yeah, it's uh, sequicentennial. 150 sequicentennial. years. It's the celebration go. of specialness. Yes, the celebration of specialness, which is. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, and, uh, so there's, there's lots of events planned in town. We go to pretty much all those events and then we meet a lot of these characters and we follow them as well. And they have, their lives are woven together. Um, a lot of the people know each other, that sort of thing. And, um, uh, John Goodman is in this and, uh, he plays Lewis. He's essentially his first film. I was going to ask his, about his that. His first starring role. Yeah, he he is um, other on cocaine. Oh, <laughs> I mean, just yeah. Okay, well, source him. Anyway, um, go ahead. But uh, him and, and David Byrne is. I don't know who's the main character in this. Besides, he's the narrator. John, yeah, he is a narrator. This I is know. like our town if it was set in Texas and George was John Goodman and. I don't remember the girl's name from our town, but was a lady in a bed who never got out of bed. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and uh, John Goodman. Uh, so there's like this this scientific oh, company in town uh, that a lot of people work at. And he works there and he really wants a wife. That's what he really wants in life. And so he's been trying all these different things. Nothing really seems to work out. 
Um, and there's lots of other characters that we meet along the way. There's uh, a fashion it. show. There's a huge uh, talent show at the at the very end. There's a parade. There's a huge talent show at the very end of the celebration. Um, and um, I think that's... Am I missing anything huge? Uh, you're missing the fact that um, uh, Spalding Gray is in it. Well, we hadn't got to the cast yet. I was just talking about... Uh, Swoozie Kurtz? Yes, Swoozie Kurtz is in it. Is in it? Yes. Um, and some other people. And some other people. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you may or may not know them, but probably not. Yeah. Um, it's very quirky, very stylized, very David Byrne. Um, <sighs> yeah. I uh, oh, it's a musical. I think we said that before. Um, but yeah, no, it, I, yeah, it's a musical. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a musical. Yeah, it's not a musical in that. The, well, it's not a musical in that people break into song um, necessarily. Um, the songs are more um, delivered in not exactly diegetic ways, but um, there's a. a album connected to this obviously mm. um that was part of the package that uh, from talking heads sure and so you know there's a scene where apparently everybody goes to um this theater on a friday night in town and they all do lip syncing it's like lip sync karaoke yeah right and so um we kind of meet a lot of the characters in the town yes um, when they all lip sync to wild wild life yes um and then later you'll get a thing performed where, like, by the talking heads yeah like, like swoozy kurtz's you know, watching TV because it's all she can do because she's just in bed all the time. Mm-hmm. Very uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Um, and it's ironic because there's chocolate in the yeah. music video that she ends up watching while she's watching TV. That was so good. Love for I, Sale. Yeah, another um, uh, Talking Heads song. That was amazing. I really enjoyed that. Um, I think that was a highlight for me in this film. And then there's another sequence where they uh, do City of Dreams, another song from the band. And then other songs in the from the album are sung not by Talking Heads, right. are sung by townspeople. Right. And I, um, uh, Puzzle and Ev- Evidence is one that I uh, stuck out for me mm-hmm. when they go to the church in town. And yes. uh, John Engel is uh, like a conspiracy <laughs> theory preacher. Yes. And he's <laughs> so got he's the choir singing about, behind yeah, him, too. Puzzling Evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I want to. I want to start off by saying. <laughs> I want to start off by saying. Uh, okay, so we kind of crapped on Lost Unicorn. We kind of did. But you said when we started off that it's you can't really criticize this if you watched it as a kid. It's dear to you. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not evaluating it, you know, objectively, and you don't have to. That's fine. Right. This I feel like this movie is kind of. It's kind of criticism proof. Do you know what I mean? I think I do. It isn't like, I'm making an action movie. Let me know if you think it's the best action movie or if we did something, you know, better than other action movies. Yeah. Or I'm Benedict Cumberbatch and I'm going to play Alan Turing and let me know if I played him believably and emotionally and I moved you. Right. This is, and I don't, lowercase a, this is art. So I don't. Yeah, right, so right. You, it, it's beyond criticism. You can say that the, the movie has no story to speak of, mm-hmm. and you'd be right. Mm-hmm. You could say that the story is off-putting and unnerving sometimes. Mm-hmm. The film, and you would be absolutely right. And you, you could say that you know sometimes you're watching it and you're just like, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, uh, also valid. And this is just a music video, 
And oh, you're still right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But I, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I got complaints about it, but I don't think they're valid. Um, I enjoyed it, even though I've got complaints about it. I enjoyed it, and too. And I'm glad I watched it. And to yeah. me, it feels like a movie that you could definitely just, I don't know. I'm complimenting it, and I'm uh, criticizing it at the same time. Because when you make, say, I don't know. I don't know. What? The first thing that popped in my head was Bergman, but he exists exactly in this space. Like, if you don't get it, well, too bad, you know. <laughs> let's just, I don't, I keep, I hate, I hate going to Marvel movies all the time, but let's go to a Marvel movie. Okay. If you watch Avengers Endgame, yeah. you're going to watch it based on, yeah, your love for the characters, because it's unlikely that you just jumped in in the 22nd movie in, it's in a unlikely. series. It's unlikely, yeah. But you're watching to see if they satisfy you and they nail all this stuff. And if they do, you're like, that was great. And if they don't, you're like, ah, I wish they would have done this or this. This sucks. Mm-hmm. Right. This doesn't, this isn't trying to do anything. And so, therefore, it's not, I don't, I don't care, I wasn't even trying. You know what I mean? There's nothing to evaluate. Like, how good did it do doing what it was trying to do? Mm-hmm. And you can't rate it that way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I like that because I don't then feel like I have to be critical of it. You know? They both, they succeeded in presenting something pleasant that really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. And can't, yeah. And can't be congratulated for accomplishing much. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I and, do. And you said that this is a love letter to Texas. I completely disagree. Oh, really? I think this is a very friendly uh, criticism of okay. of crass commercialism. Oh well, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. But this whole film, you could you, you know you could make a a, a documentary about. Um, you know, spending or like the guy that invented the mall, you know, and show how that destroyed uh, city centers, you know, all over the country and stuff like that. And maybe that guy was, I don't know, maybe he was hit beat his wife or something. I don't know. Mm. But instead, you could just have David Byrne drive around in his Cadillac and, you know, say the, the mall is great. You know, the mall the sh- shopping is a feeling or whatever. Yeah, and, right. And, you know, that means that the, the downtowns are closed now and everybody came out here. But people just want to shop. They want the bargains. Right. And some lady's like, you know, I always said that if I go. He's like, so what did I tell you? Yeah. And he's not he's being affable. So he's delivering what is essentially that criticism. If you peel back one layer. No, but he's also just right. kind of going again. It kind of lazy, not lazy, relaxed. He's just kind of like, oh, what are you going to do? That's the way the world is. Mm-hmm. And you get the computer guy who's like, you know, computers are a feeling and computers are the future and computers go, you know, inside your mind and who knows, you know, that's what Steve Jobs said. And it's just this, you are a middle manager at a microchip factory in Texas. Like, yeah, like you're not right. a mover and a shaker. You're quoting <laughs> Steve Jobs uh, before he was pushed out of Apple uh, after the Macintosh or whatever. Yeah. But uh, and then you cut to John uh, Goodman and he's like. That's an okay job. Like he's just, it immediately undercuts that vision of the future, you know, or you go to the, the dinner scene, which I, I did really like the dinner scene where they've got all this yeah. weird food and then Spalding Gray is trying to explain, you know, this is the town, but this is, you know, where the commercial thing is. Yeah. And we that must was make the scene. workers go from here to there. Mm-hmm. And David Burns like, uh, I forgot what the peppers are supposed to represent. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's constantly kind of blowing this balloon up and then you just the pins come in and it just goes right back down again no yeah you're you're right it's it's not as it appears on the surface um (laughs) nailed it yeah well 
Um, another part that I actually really enjoyed was um, the fashion show. Um, I liked it because it was clear to me. Um, I think that that, that David Byrne is, is somebody who um, he's very stylish, and I think that you know, um, yeah, those huge suits. I well, that's part of it, and and I think that's reflected in uh, in the movie's overall look, and I think it's reflected in in the fashion show too. A lot of the outfits were very large. You know, much larger than the person wearing them. Um, they were made out of unconventional materials, just kind of like pushing the boundary of like, what is clothes? What are they for? Is astroturf yes. clothing? Yes. Um, I also really like. That was not uh, David Byrne. Um, I'm sure he encouraged it. It was his future wife, Adele Lutz. Oh, very nice. This movie came out in '87, so or '86. They were married in '87, so I can only assume that. Um, he got along with his costume I, on the film. Yeah, I can only assume. <laughs> and they were married and divorced in 2004. Oh, no. But, you know, life. life yeah, happens. life happens. Um, but, yeah, they were great. And um, I also really liked that um, the uh, the models had a huge range in, in body type. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was really, you know, pushing body positivity, like, for the 80s i was kind of like i thought that was really cool i thought that was really neat um i think that that the movie um has has a somewhat diverse cast too um mm-hmm. so i yeah it's, i liked that too yeah um can't remember the name of the song but uh one of my favorite songs was um the guy that uh that uh tim I can't remember his name. Fine. I, I have no idea. John Goodman's character. Lewis. Lewis oh, Lewis. Fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he finally goes to uh, a guy in town. Yes. Who, who does like voodoo. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, drink some half a glass of soda water and throw it away. You're like, and, what? <laughs> yeah, like drink half, throw the other half away. <laughs> yeah. And it all just seems like uh, like bullshit. And then he goes, he's getting ready to do the, uh, the talent show or whatever and sing his song. And we cut back to that guy. And the guy's doing this whole, you know, bit. He's doing the thing. He's pouring the. He didn't. He uses like sand, you know, yeah. uh, like red earth, because um, maybe they didn't want to kill a chicken. But uh, right. he doesn't. Think he takes a drink of the liquor and blows it, and yeah. then and then he sings this like this like kind of groovy song. Yeah. Uh, over everything that's going on, and it was just like, oh, that's 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 really neat. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the end of the thing, John Goodman sings his song, and. He'd been working on this song, yes. And he tried to date another lady, and she told him the song was too sad. And he's like, "Well, I guess, I guess I'm gonna go." Yeah. <laughs> and then Swoozie Kurtz sees it, and it's like, "So was it the voodoo, or was it just?" Yeah, the, I think the, that's a really the him sharing his you know his emotion and the depth of his feeling, and it's like, well, it doesn't really matter because it's also right. a goofy movie where David Byrne drives around on, on a blue screen. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and, and like uh, plays of the wheel. And like, so, oh, we're good driving here. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, this isn't a rental. This is privately owned. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah it. it I, I mean, it's not like it's it, okay. It's not goofy for goofy's sake, or it's partially goofy for goofy's sake. Mm-hmm. But I still think that everything has a purpose in it. Yeah, and I think that that purpose, you know, when you think about it for a little bit, is clear. I think it's really weird 
<laughs> I think at the time it just seemed like because there's something called this is a I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but there's there's something called the Church of the Subgenius, which is like a parody okay. religion. Okay. Um, that's sort of like um, conspiracy theory and stuff like that. It's sort of like trying to send up the kind of things that I don't people don't like about organized religion. It's like Discordianism, mm-hmm. and that's all well and good. But then when you see Jim Baker who is back, everybody, and he's trying to get convince people to buy his uh, apocalypse uh, food pails or whatever and take uh, brain drugs. Mm-hmm. It's not too far off yeah, from right. this guy talking about... How he, he's like, one and one does not equal two. Yeah, you know, right. Look, at, I've got the documents. Look at what Reagan did or whatever. And it's just like... <laughs> it's depressingly real now. Yeah, And so this this, this thing is just... It's chock full of commentary, and yet... It doesn't attack or or uh, indict the people in the movie. No. They are they are just people who just want you know what they want and they want to feel important like the lying woman. Right. And they want to feel loved like Lewis. Mm-hmm. But they have all these stupid things that they believe. Like John Goodman's like got all these crazy clothes and he's like check out these shoes. You know I'm a man of fashion. Yeah right. And he's ridiculous. Yeah right. But he's earnest. He's very earnest. It's not his fault. And I think if you take it all the way, it's America's fault. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It pumps yeah. us up, up up the idea of, you know, the American dream and all these ideas and things that we're told that we need, you know. And so, but it, that that is presented. We know it's there. And then we have a fun movie where David Burns wearing a cowboy hat. Right. And it's still people with believable desires you know, the husband and wife who haven't talked to each other in 15 years yes. or whatever. And so it's like, can you ask your mother to pass the mustard to our guests? They're very and... polite and cordial to each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But they just won't talk to each but other. But they are just not interested in being, uh, you know, married anymore. Yeah, right. Exactly. But they're not getting divorced. Now. No, because they have children. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this is just how they're going to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> uh... I like it more that we talked about it now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. This is like the um, the nicest movie the Coen Brothers never made. Wow. Doesn't it feel like a Coen Brothers movie? Kind of, yeah. Like Blood Simple came out two years before this. Mm-hmm. And that was set in Texas, wasn't it? It was in the South somewhere. Uh, and that was, remember. you know, that was a noir. But I think it's it's interesting that you've got this movie with this weird magical narrator yeah. who goes through it. John Goodman's in this movie. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's got like pop songs and stuff like that. It just, it feels like a Coen Brothers film. It kind of does. And I, and I think the Coen Brothers are cognizant of that. I bet they love this movie. Probably. Because um, it's very similar in structure to some of their films. It reminds me, um, well, I guess not the content, but kind of like of the Big Lebowski in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. there's actually a scene where, and again, David Byrne is is willing to attack himself too. I think as the as the all knowing narrator, like he's he's talking about like for because they have this whole thing at the beginning where they go through like oh first the dinosaurs came you know and yeah, then we right. killed the Indians and yeah. and, and then Texas Instruments you know? right. and uh, and he's talking he's like yeah this thing about this is like you see this plane it's beautiful and soon it'll be full of houses you know and that's beautiful too I, I have a a really deep statement about a situation like this. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> I've got it written down on a piece right, of paper right, at home. Right. And it reminds me of the scene in the beginning of, uh, I think it's in the beginning of Big Lebowski, where 
Sam Elliott is telling us about the dude, the legend of the dude, you know? And he's like, there would be a man like the dude. And, oh, wait, I, got, I, I can do better than that. <clears throat> Do you have to use so much cursing? <laughs> anyway, but he's like, uh, you know, the dude was, he was, the thing about the dude is, is <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Like, he's like immediately undercuts his authority as a narrator. Right, like, yeah. right. It just, and that was after this. So right. where'd they get that from? Right. You know? Okay, I'm glad it, we talked about this. I like good. it a lot more that we good. talked about it. It kind of, um, <laughs> it kind of reminded me too, in, in, in certain ways of uh, of uh, Twin Peaks as well, yeah, um, you know, kind of like small town, quirky, you know, lots of interesting. And Lynch uh, too characters. is is obsessed with that idea of Americana. But what Lynch mm-hmm. wants to see is he wants to see the worms under the beautifully manicured lawn, right, right. Whereas right. David Byrne is comfortable with, you know, setting up a. Uh, you know, a pastiche, you know, a dumb show of American life, right. letting you see the artificiality and letting that be its own commentary. And then we'll just do the story. Right. Like, you get it. You get that this is doesn't, none of this is really real. Right, right, right. And therefore the ideas that it represents, we should maybe question. Yeah. But also here's a fun story about a guy who's just, you know, was trying to find a girlfriend. Right. Exactly. And a guy who's can uh, read people's thoughts through radio waves or something like that. <laughs> And a young Tom York was like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, is that where they got their name from? That's exactly where they got it from. Really? Yep. I did not know that. Learned something new. And then ironically, it's not ironic, but in a weird coincidence, uh, Lady Gaga got her name from Radio, Radio Gaga. Gaga. Yeah, right. I, I did know that. So if there was a guy named Radio who got his name from the Elvis... Costello song radio radio we'd have a hat trick <laughs> maybe maybe it was radio oh my god the Cuba Gooding Jr. Junior, junior yeah movie. right 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 oh about the the mentally handicapped guy yeah yeah and those movies always end you know with like you know we learned a lesson from him we didn't teach radio anything we learned from radio I know I know <laughs> uh, yeah um yeah couple more minutes to fill <laughs> oh oh we've got a couple more minutes to fill no we can end early um i was i don't know um, what you what you just said about how those movies usually end um i don't know i saw something recently online talking about you know this is kind of related this is only tangentially related um how how we shouldn't treat kids that it's it's really good to treat uh people who are disabled well you know, and that's oh, that a good deed. About? And no, but you know, and you you should just treat them well because they're human beings. You know what I mean? And like, it's not like, oh, well, you're an extra good person because you were nice to somebody. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think understanding is the root of of everything, of all upward mobility in society. But as long as they do it, I don't necessarily care why they do it Mm. like this is the great problem uh the great um contradiction of religion which is are you doing it because it's the right thing to do or are you doing it for jesus points and my thing is most christians don't do it for either of those reasons Mm. but if they did help the poor and if they did you know uh minister to their fellow man and you know and uh and uh, you know whatever else you know live a, a christian lifestyle 
um, and they were just doing it for a bigger mansion in heaven, I don't really care. At least you did it. But the problem is, is that they don't, they can't even do it for that reason. They're uh-huh. trying to take rights away from people. Right, which is just... So let's go backwards. It's just not okay. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's not do that. See, we can... This is the kind of commentary you wouldn't find in a David Byrne movie. <laughs> There's a part... Just, just the last thing I want to say is... Yeah. You know, he... Like I said before, like he is putting... He's letting America tell on itself, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just he's just putting it up there and not saying much and just letting you realize... The ridiculousness of some things and like and the hubris of some things and there's a point where his character is talking about you know the computers and the advancement and how how great we've become and he says um you know things that never had names before are now described you know like we're like it's human logos like we are creating you know this world out of nothing but of course mm-hmm. it begins with you know dinosaurs like we're right, right we've right. been here for such a short time like right. why do we think that we're that important yeah yeah but uh, we need somebody we don't want that's in the song that john goodman sings is i i'm conflicted about it because he talks about we don't want freedom we don't want justice, justice you know yeah. we just want we just want love love <laughs> and i was like i want freedom i want justice you know and it's like i want chicken i want liver yeah. meow mix meow mix please deliver <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of how I feel about that. All right, we're done. Oh, okay. <laughs> <sighs> Didn't yes. I say last time? Let's pick some good ones. Yes. Let's cheat. I hope that the next movie on your list is good. Uh, but do, you I want definitely... me, do you want me to p- peek or no. should I not? No. Not, don't share. No. Okay. All right. I won't. I know that I am definitely going to sit down and think of a real good movie. A real good one. Make it good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, mine was kind of a stinker. I was uh, really hoping it was going to be good. I guess I was glad to finally see it. but And at home, too. I feel like that's a, a midnight movie that they always do in places. Oh. And I would hate to have gone, stayed up till midnight, and then that and then watched it. rolling. And it's like, ugh, boy. <laughs> it's not like you can like really sing along with those songs. You know what I mean? No, you can't. Just describe what's happening on screen. It's fine. <laughs> That's the magpie. Oh, there he is. And the narwhal. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, anyway, that's it for us for this week. We'll be back in the future to talk about more movies for your quarantainment. And until then, we're signing off. Stay healthy, stay safe. I want to be.